Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this privilege that you've given us together in your name. And thank you for your promise that where two or three are gathered, that you would be in our midst. So we celebrate your presence with us and ask that you would, by your Holy Spirit, open our minds and our hearts to your word and to your wonderful saint that we're going to look at this morning the example of her life. In Christ's name, amen. amen. Well, I guess I'd like to first start with a shout out to Ryan. What a great idea to do this. Um, uh, to study the lives of the saints kind of shows us a picture of what it looks like to be truly devoted to Christ. I guess it's fair to say that we always have the example of Christ. We're trying to be like Christ. But it's very helpful to me to see how that works out in the lives of other people that have the same difficulties and problems that I have and to see how they do it and how God uses them. I find that very helpful. And um, this doing that during this season has kind of made me aware of that. I think I might have known it at one time but forgot it. So thanks, Ryan. And right now the Olympics are going on, and I would venture to say that every one of those champions, if you were talking to them on a pretty intimate, familiar level, every one of them would have a story of somebody that they watched when they were just a little kid, and they decided, I want to do that one day. I want to win the gold medal in this, that, or the other. I know it's true. With golfers, I've heard a hundred times when a guy wins his first tournament and they were interviewing him, and they'll say, I've been dreaming about this since I was seven years old. I've been thinking about it and visualizing it. So in a way, when we look at the saints, that's kind of the same dynamic that's at work. And it's, it's really a, a good thing. They're, they're our family. This is, this is our family. This is what our family's made up of. And so they demonstrate for us extraordinary devotion to Christ, which hopefully at some point we'd be inspired to emulate that and to, to have that kind. And so today we're looking at uh, St. Macarena, not to be confused with with Macarena, uh, I have to confess when I first started working on it, I was having to be very careful. Uh, it seemed like my tongue just kind of wanted to go to the familiar. But she was born in Cappadocia uh, in the early 4th century. And she came from an incredibly fascinating family. That's As I did the research to, to make this little reflection, I was just amazed when I looked at her family. Uh, not, not only was it very large, she had a very wealthy family, very pious family, but she had nine brothers and sisters. And that I related to that because I have nine brothers and sisters, at least had, they haven't all survived. But um, so it was a huge family. And it was just amazing how many saints were in this family. Her mother was a saint, her grandmother was a saint. One of her, her grandfathers was martyred. Uh, for Christ, and she had five brothers who were saints. Uh, wow, you know, so this is a, God has an unusual, uh, his, uh, unusually strong hand upon this, this family, and um, 
her maternal grandparents actually spent seven years on the run for their lives, uh, dodging a, a persecution, spent most of the time in the woods foraging for food, almost starved to death on many occasions. So there's just this incredible heritage here. And um, two of her three brothers uh, were two of the Cappadocian fathers in the early church, and um, uh, Basil the Great and Gregory of Nyssa. And she she made an incredible contribution to both of them. Um, She actually had the resources and because of her birth, she could have had a classical education, but she decided in lieu of that, she wanted to study the scriptures. So I think they kind of used the same format, but just, you know, uh, substituted the scriptures for all the Greek works and what have you. So she was very uh, astute and she had a huge impact on the thinking of her brothers, especially Basil, who had gone off to be um, um, an orator and a lawyer like his father. And his whole mindset was really, he kind of wanted to be a secular guy. But um, after she got through with him, <laughs> he, was, he was ready to serve, serve God with great fervor. And um, the, her two brothers played a really significant role because of course, at the Council of Nicaea in 325, the uh, Arian uh, heresy supposedly had been laid to rest, uh, but it didn't really play out that way. A lot of the bishops began to uh, kind of go back on things and begin to drift back into that Arianism, and it was it was their influence and their work really um, that brought the reaffirmation of the Nicene Creed at Constantinople in 381. And they also were very um, influential in defining the Trinity uh, for the church. So anyway, uh, Macrina uh, Macrina had a a tremendous uh, input in their lives. And and what it does is it shows you, so she's not out in front. She's not out there where everybody sees her, She's working quietly behind the scenes, and she worked very hard as a real servant in, around the house. Um, she did cooking. She was very prepared with all the skills needed to make a home work. So she, she's not, there's no fanfare. There's just faithfulness. Day to day, day in, day out, faithfulness. And, um, but she was clearly the bedrock of the family. And um, one of the things that struck me most when one of her brothers had an untimely death, it basically destroyed her mother. She, she just couldn't get it back together. And she taught her mother to give thanks. And, and rather, rather than dwelling on this tragedy, she helped her learn to put her mind on thinking of all the great things that God had done for them. And it just, it brought her right out and freed her. So that, that shows you the kind of person she was. So um, anyway, um, she died uh, lying on the ground. In death, she was faithful. She took these vows. 
she was betrothed to a young man uh, when she was very young, and, and he unexpectedly died. And there were lots and lots of other suitors that were wanting to try to make a deal with her father to marry her. And she, as I understand it, was very beautiful. But she chose instead to live uh, as a virgin for her whole life in devotion to Christ. And, and so she also took a vow of poverty, even though she was wealthy. Um, she was born wealthy. She died with nothing. And instead of, even when she was dying, instead of choosing to lay on a bed, she continued to lay on the boards on the ground as she had always done. And um, so she was just this incredible example of devotion. And I think that she reminds me a bit of Moses when he was um, kind of at his prime and he he was poised uh, to be the next leader of Egypt. Uh, It says he was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. but it's, it says and in, in, uh, tells us about him in the Hall of Fame of Faith in Hebrews 11 that, that uh, when he was grown up, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of, the, of Egypt, for he was looking for the reward. And I think Macrina live this out exactly. It reminds me of the words of Jesus. He said, if anyone come after me, let him take up his cross daily, deny himself and follow me. And um, so that's, that was her life. And so it was because of the way she lived that 17 centuries later, we're still talking about her. So that shows you the power of simple devotion to Christ that's authentic and real over a lifetime, the power that it, that it has. So those are my thoughts on Macrina. I hope they're helpful in some way. God bless.